Welcome to episode six of You Are Not A Frog. What we learn from 30-day team wellbeing improvement cycles, what really works. Welcome to You Are Not A Frog, the podcast for GPs, hospital doctors and other busy people in high-stress jobs. Working in today's high-stress environment, you may feel like a frog in boiling water. Things have heated up so slowly that you might not have noticed the extra long days becoming the norm. You've got used to feeling constantly busy and are often one crisis away from not coping. Let's face it, frogs only have two choices, to stay in the pan and get boils alive or to hop out and leave. But you are not a frog and that's where this podcast comes in. You have many more choices than you think you do. There are simple changes that you can make which will make a huge difference to your stress levels and help you enjoy life again. I'm your host, Dr. Rachel Morris, GP turned executive coach and specialist in resilience at work. I'll be talking to friends, colleagues and experts, all who have an interesting take on this so that together we can take back control to survive and really thrive in our work and lives. In this episode, I'll be talking to Rosanna Hunt, who's a psychologist working with NHS Horizons. They decided to increase their team's well-being and they did it in 30-day sprints. We talk about what she learned. Okay, so I'm really pleased to welcome with me today Rosanna Hunt, who's a psychologist who works for NHS Horizons. And and Rosanna, I know you do lots of other things as well, so I'll let you introduce yourself. Yes, hi Rachel. I'm a research associate at NHS Horizons, and that's a team that's within NHS England that's looking at uh, working around increasing change agency at a systems level in the NHS. Um, But my background is a psychology PhD and uh, have a background also in organisational and team development. Mm, And how long have you worked there then? How long have you worked at NHS Horizons? Well, with Horizons, about five or six years, but but there's been a lot of reorganisation, should I say, in the NHS at the national level. And so there's been sort of several more you know morphed through different organizations right. over a period of about 12 14 years now okay and can you just tell us a little bit about what nhs horizons does yeah so nhs horizons is based within nhs england and uh, we work with not just the nhs actually more broadly as well across health and social care with teams and organizations that want to increase their sort of impact we also deliver the school for change agents which is a free, uh, massive online open course delivered once a year through FutureLearn. And that's proved to have a big effect on how people think about change, their mindset towards change and overcoming some of the barriers that are often actually internal rather than external. Mm. Okay, so it's an agency to really support change throughout the NHS and other places as well. Yeah, indeed, yeah and training brilliant and so I asked Rosanna to come on the podcast because we were having a chat a few weeks ago and Rosanna was telling me about the Horizons Wellbeing project that she did and I just thought it was fascinating the things that she'd learned I thought this would be really relevant to some of our listeners particularly if you're working in a a big organization and you're wondering about how to improve well-being or improve well-being for yourself because there were things that you did and there were things that failed and there were things that worked really well and it was quite surprising to me what worked and what didn't work so could you just tell us a bit first of all about your project and how you did it yeah so it came about three years ago uh, three and a half years ago and I suppose I'd experienced a lot of turbulence and change in my career in the NHS and I noticed that you know there was probably nothing that the organization could do about this we were always going to be 
in this situation and and i know that you know as human beings our brains aren't very well wired to deal with that kind of turbulence and change and it does end up having an effect on health i was quite surprised to find that on the last occasion of many that i was threatened with redundancy i developed an anxiety related throat disorder called globus Oh, yeah. and uh, and that was even before I had kids so really I didn't have a lot of stress in my life <laughs> so since then you know I know that you know stress levels are come from all sorts of sources but um, you know that can you know things outside of your work can impact on things inside your work so I thought I needed really to do something that would bring some focus and attention to this and at the time uh, in NHS Horizons we were experiencing some very high sickness levels in the team at 15% actually four years ago. So that was a very important issue for us. So we initiated the Horizons Wellbeing Project then. And we started out, we just thought, let's just get cracking, you know, let's not design this project and take forever over it. Let's just try something and let's just fail early. So we decided we would run 30 day improvement cycles. Many of us have an improvement science background and we knew that just cracking on and trying something for 30 days uh, would get us moving on this road. So we also found a well-being survey that we brought in so that we could measure some of the improvement and some of the change over time. And we used the Warwick Short Edinburgh survey, uh, which you can get online. Uh, you just search for the uh, Warwick University's website. And there are two versions of that survey. You've got this shorter one, which is the seven-item version. And that seemed to be really suitable for our needs, because if we're going to send it out every week to people to answer on a Thursday, we need it to be a fairly quick job. And we have a WhatsApp group, so we can just put it on a link so people can quickly answer it on their phones at the end of the week. Just provides an opportunity to reflect back on what your your week was like. And there, this is a survey that's used nationally. And so there are some great baseline sort of statistics available around it. And we know that the national average is out of a one to five rating is about a 3.6. Right, okay. So we take our average every week. And if we're above that, then, you know, we know that things are good. If they're below that, then we have a conversation about what we need to do about it. And that's when we might initiate another sort of 30 day improvement cycle. Yeah. Yeah, so every week you instigated the change and every week you sent out this wellbeing survey and compared what the average of the people responding to the, to the national average. And mm. what sort of response rate did you get from your, your people? Well, we have a team of about 20 and we like to encourage at least half to answer every week because that's a reasonable representation and you know if there are issues around around well-being we feel that actually this is a good platform for uh, initiating a discussion so you did these 30-day improvement cycles which i guess those of us who've worked with qi before you know it's short sprints you make a small change you measure it you see what's worked Mm. to start off with what happened Well, we thought, you know, being a research associate, I thought better go and find out what it is that actually improves team well-being, you know, and and you come across the kind of five top pillars of well-being, which are things like obviously the top one being physical exercise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, we we took this research, we said, let's just do something. Come on. And it was quite hard, that initial conversation with the team to say, what can we actually all agree on here? Mm -hmm. And and actually, if we're not all 20 of us going to agree on something, really, are we? So why don't we just say, we'll go with something 
and we'll all put our energy behind it. We'll just put the faith in one thing because otherwise we could spend forever deciding what it's going to be. You know, so in a way, that kind of act of solidarity was quite an important first step in this to, to build the sort of cohesiveness, I suppose, around this project. So we decided that we would do physical exercise as our first one. And we recorded things like the number of steps, the number of miles and that kind of thing on this big chart in the office. And it was a struggle and it pretty much failed. You know, we had feedback like this seemed really hierarchical. It was really pushed on us and this sort of thing. And actually, well-being didn't improve. But what it did allow us to do was to have a conversation about, well, that didn't work. So what will work? And it has kind of got people into the mindset of actually, this is the issue, not that. And so when you actually get down to what the issue is, you actually get down to what's happening at work, really. And none of those five pillars of well-being are actually, they're, they're very generic. And what really matters is how we work together as a team and the ways in which we're interacting, you know, our levels of communication, the effectiveness of our communication and that kind of thing. So we learned pretty quick, you know, that, that we needed to make this very specific to what was happening at work. That's interesting. So it wasn't necessarily the sort of the physical, the, the, the individual well-being factors that caused an increase in well-being. So you did some physical, you increased everyone's physical exercise, but they didn't report that they felt better. Is that right? Mm. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And do you think that was because, like you said, people thought it was forced on them, it wasn't necessarily the sort of physical activity they wanted to do, or genuinely there were other stuff that was just getting in the way of it? Yeah, I mean, I think that just having any space for wanting to take care of yourself through physical exercise, you know, there are other things that need to be dealt with first. And there are certain stresses at work that needed to be dealt with first. Um, So it's after, we've never been back and done a a 30 day cycle on physical exercise. We've done things that really matter to what's happening in the working day. Uh, we, We do actually do walking meetings. We did have initiate another 30-day cycle that was about taking some of our meetings outside of the confines of the four walls of the office that was very effective and has also been a behavior that we've continued outside of this initiative but yeah we haven't done much around physical exercise one of the big things that we did was taking breaks because people were working through lunch breaks there was a couple of comments that you would almost have a bit of a look if you walked out of the office to take a break so culturally wasn't acceptable to take breaks and this coincided with the NHS Take 30 campaign which was also encouraging medical staff to take breaks in secondary care so it was nice to have that wider a sort of social movement around taking breaks at work and, uh, and we've continued that since but it was a very hard nuts to crack actually it did take us several 30-day cycles to get to a stage where people were reporting taking breaks during their working day but we're there now how did you get people to take breaks physically how did you manage it well i mean it's up to them isn't it to get (laughs) up and take a break so we're not enforcing a particular time slot for a break but what we were doing in the well-being surveys in addition to those seven items we'd ask them to reflect back and say did you take a break every working day of the week some days of the week or no days of the week Mm. and we used to get a number of people who were saying they were not taking breaks any days of the week but now which is incredible isn't it that people are sort of working through and but it also created a conversation actually about what is a break you know Mm. you know is it can a a two minute high quality break be more effective than 30 minutes rushing around doing a meeting over your lunch break and Mm. maybe checking twitter you know yes yeah 
It's interesting. I was, I was reading some evidence the other day that actually taking breaks without your phone is, is incredibly good for productivity. And so some workplaces are making people take their lunch breaks and put their phones in a drawer and just go off. Otherwise, yeah, you're just occupying your brain in, in different ways and often work-related. I don't know about you, but when I'm on a break, I sometimes flick through LinkedIn and end up reading articles that relate to my work and then sharing them. And then I think, well, that was my lunch break. I've just been, been doing social media. It's not particularly relaxing. Did you have a look at any evidence about what to do in your break that helps in terms of well-being? We didn't. And again, I think it's up to the individual. I think one of our members of our team did say, I love checking Twitter in my break. And actually, you know, if you are well, then that's fine. You know, everybody's different in terms of how they like to take a break. So the important thing is to create that space for the team to have a conversation about what we can all focus on to make each other better. Mm. Uh, And that's why it's a team initiative. You know, what you do for yourself is, you know, is as important, but um, isn't the focus of this well-being improvement exercise. This is a team initiative. This is about supporting each other. And in situations where it is about taking breaks, it's maybe about looking out for each other and saying, I've noticed that you haven't left your desk or, you know, just looking after each other. So how do you change a culture to encourage, to make it okay for people to take breaks? You said people were getting funny looks as they walked out. How would you recommend people did that? Because I know that in certainly in well in GP surgeries where I've worked it's you know it's almost frowned upon not not frowned upon but actually no one takes it because just so busy and haven't got that time and I always try to sit there with my lunch and have a bit of a chat but I was pretty much on my own half the time Mm, so mm. what can you do as a team to encourage people that it's important well, we did tap into the environmental opportunities. So right. we are part, we share an office with the Department for Education and Skills, uh, the resources within the building. And we actually came together as a wider building to look at uh, how we could improve well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are two well-being rooms where people can go and have some quiet time, mm-hmm. not for taking your laptop or your phone into. Okay. <laughs> Um, and they were also, you know, taking, initiating well-being walks at lunchtime so that you have that incentive to get out of the office. Right. So something about like a group activity can be helpful sometimes for some people. Yeah, because it's a discipline, isn't it? To stop, get up out of your chair and walk out of that room. You know, it's a discipline that uh, may be easier to motivate yourself to do that if you've got a group meeting at a certain time. Mm. Okay, so taking breaks was one thing that worked and increased the well-being average score. What, what else did you find really worked? Well, over that, the time period now of about three and a half years, we've done several different 30-day cycles. And one of those was around appreciating each other. Any 30-day cycle that somehow creates opportunities for appreciation in the workplace has had a measurable benefit to our well-being, And I don't think anything else really has. Although having said that, for several months we have, I mean, certainly within the first eight months of starting this well-being project, we'd reduced our sickness levels from 15% down to 3%. And wow. since then we've had no increase on that. So, you know, actually it's interesting that improvement projects to really sustain the improvement, it has to become the way that you work, doesn't it? Uh, we've never really taken the focus off. But then having said that, when our well-being is over 3.6, we certainly take the pressure off the focus of doing something. 
at the moment, well-being is good. Uh, we are focusing in particular, we have a 30-day cycle that has run on for three months now, so more of a 90-day cycle, mm -hmm. which is looking at using soft and hard deadlines. And this has been initiated because of an issue around how we plan as a team so that we're incorporating some space for the next person to get on with the task when we've got to our point on that task so that we're not rushing them and we're giving them a bit more space to do their best work before the you know hard deadline. And that's just a really a very simple approach. And that's part of the benefit of a 30-day cycle is it's just one action that's very simple but it's tapping into a much broader issue around how we communicate on our projects and how we work as interdependent team members so it's a bigger more complicated complex wow. problem but we're honing it down to just one action that we think helps to maintain the attention on this issue until we manage to you know make some improvements around the issue and therefore around our well-being are you constantly stressed and thinking about work? Does your laptop come with you on holiday? Your to-do list have permanent residence in your brain and your worry about how to handle the latest crisis wake you up in the small hours? Then it's time to get your life back and that's exactly what our brand new online course will help you do. It's a 60-minute reset for healthcare professionals to shift your mindset so you can set boundaries and limits around your work without the endless guilt that you've not done enough. It's just £27 and you can get instant access now when you go to shapestoolkit.com slash get your life back. Wow, I'm really interested in this. It seems like it was more about the way you've changed the way that you're having communication as a team, you're working together, you're thinking about things that improves your well-being rather than the actual specific things that you've done. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, who knows? You know, the, the cause and effect is a complicated, well, complex thing, isn't it? And, uh, and there are many other factors as well. We've had changes in management within the team. You could probably identify a number of sources. But I would say that, our, and obviously every team is different. So this approach that we've used is one model, which is around a weekly pulse and 30-day improvement cycles. And that has worked for us, you know, but all models are useful, are, are wrong, are, you know, are wrong essentially, but some are useful. And, and we're, this is what we use as a hook for a team conversation. So we have monthly, uh, sorry, weekly meetings on a Monday morning. Uh, and at the top of our agenda is our well-being, which is significant in itself that we put that first in the working week uh, before any of the rush of the day-to-day. -day. And, uh, and it works for us. We can create the space and time for that on a, on a Monday morning. And we have the conversation about what our results said. People can put comments in as well anonymously. Mm -hmm. We can review some of those and have a conversation about a team about whether we can take some action to improve things for those around us. I mean, that sounds like a really simple, tangible thing that GPs or hospital doctors or other professionals working teams can do is in when they have their team meetings. And most people, say, have a regular practice meeting or a I don't know, mortality meeting or a regular departmental meeting, something that you do regularly with each other as the first item of the agenda, just to say, is there one thing we could do differently this month in how we work together? It'd be so powerful, wouldn't it? I think most of the medical teams that I've been in never look at how they work together. They look at how they file blood results or they look at, you know, appointment waits times or they look at clinical management of stuff. But actually, what's one thing we could do this week 
this month that will increase communication or make us all feel better mm. uh, you know what's one way that we can appreciate each other better this month what did you do in terms of appreciation and recognition because that's a really important motivation factor and so I can see why it, it really helped with people's well-being mm. one 30-day cycle that we did was simply to buy a bunch of little notebooks and circulate and allocate a name to each of those notebooks and just circulate them around the team they were just sitting in the office most of the time and just to think is there one thing that you appreciate about somebody and just pick up the book and make a note it could be anonymous or you could say who you were it is actually difficult for that to really happen so sometimes just by sometimes you do just need to create the space and the time and put everybody in a room together and, and circulate these books you know but that's been you know a, a something that you can take away and look at for a little bit of a boost you know at other times in the year really so those books are still still hang about I, I mean I do think that often the working day just isn't conducive to creating that space and there has to be a deliberate effort to creating that space Mm. Uh, and I'm sure that in a hospital environment there might be a different kind of space for that and there may be opportunities maybe in multidisciplinary teams where they're getting together and they can start out I mean Tony Schwartz's work is really worth looking at he runs the energy project is based in the states and uh, he starts his team meetings with a a check-in and I think that that idea of a check-in and a check-out just how's everyone feeling you know where are you right now yeah but you know to a large degree that does require a lot of trust and it requires people to be able to come in and say what's real rather than what's expected of them so you know it's a bit of a chicken and egg thing developing that environment of trust that allows you to sort of bring your whole self to work I suppose and uh, be honest about how you're feeling so yeah check-ins but uh, as you say over the weekend I think if people aren't working over the weekend then they do have that time to reflect on their week and Monday is a great day to come in and say here it is this is what I think we can do to really you know improve stuff for our for us Mm. it doesn't need to take long does it it's just a five minute discussion at the beginning of each meeting it would really make people feel valued and and I guess with the check-ins this is where vulnerable leadership comes in if the leader's happy to have the check-in and be vulnerable and be honest about how they're feeling and what's gone on for them that will encourage the rest of the team to do that absolutely yeah, I think the role modeling is really important and um, interestingly you know I'm in the sort of middle of the hierarchy and probably closer to the bottom really <laughs> and actually it's a brilliant place to be able to make change happen you know yeah. I've heard that because uh you know initiating something like this from the top would very much feel like oh we've all got to take the line with this yes yeah so it's been a, a good place from which to initiate this project and it hasn't wasn't something that I was told to do so well, that's great so as people are thinking oh I can't possibly do this because I'm not in charge actually it's quite good not to be in charge to do this because people are probably more likely to do it exactly it feels like exactly. a group a group activity rather than impose because you're right you cannot impose well-being on people no exactly and, and you know and we have a lot of well-being champions in the NHS England the wider organization so identifying who those champions are you know there'll be people who will emerge and say yep I want to do this, you know, I want to facilitate this and make it happen and create it in a way that's going to work for us because, you know, you at the top aren't going to know what's going to work, really work for us <laughs> mm. at the front line or whatever. 
Yeah. So if you were a GP working in a practice or a hospital doctor or say a lawyer working in a firm and you wanted to maybe start doing some of this, what advice would you have for them? Well, I'd say just get cracking on having the conversation and doing something. Just take a small action. And that it can be hard to get that first ball rolling because actually it's about getting everybody on the same page and saying, yes, I'm going to prioritise this. I, I do think that what's a particular benefit in building energy around each 30-day cycle is the one-to-one -one conversations that I have with individual members of the team about what uh, yeah, and it, it may just be in response to a complaint that they have about something that's going on in the team. And then rather than kind of getting into a conversation about the subjective experience of that, just looking at this as a situation that we can step outside of and take some action to resolve. So what would actually help? Well, in that case, I can kind of be your advocate and talk to other people about that and take those into my other one-to-one -one conversations and say, well, this has been suggested as something that we could try and do. What do you think? And then that idea usually gets adapted as I have those one-to-one -one conversations. And then that's when we bring a new 30-day cycle to the table is after several one-to-one -one conversations. So I would say start with the one-to-ones, you know, in response to what's actually happening at work. Say, what, what do you think we can do to improve this? Take that to someone else. Oh, you know, what do you think about this idea? Well, you know, this is what's going on for me. Let's adapt it. And then you can come together with an idea that is going to ring true to a number of people's experiences. Yeah, so it just gets that conversation started, gets people talking about well-being, people thinking about actually what, what would work here and starts people thinking about team processes. Mm. It's so interesting, isn't it? Because I think when you look at workplace well-being it's so much about the environment that we're working in rather than our own individual well-being which of course is really important and is the foundation for everything but so few of us actually take time to try and change the environment or you know the culture in which it should be working I think it's so important were there any other quick wins that you could share with us things that that you did as a team that were really effective there is one other initiative that we brought in, which was a trust partner model. And what we did there was coach a number of team members in basic coaching skills, people sort of at the lower end of the hierarchy, as it were, and in the middle. And we wanted really what we were ha the issue we were having was that wasn't necessarily space for a confidential conversation that would allow an individual to feel empowered to take action for improvement for themselves. And that's what we wanted to create through having some coaching conversation opportunities. We also wanted to take away, to, to reduce that kind of, as I mentioned, that kind of ongoing discussion about the subjective experience and take those conversations into a different space. In particular, because actually those can have a negative impact on those around you. Sort of, you know, there's just a lot of kind of whining about what's the situation, which is just helping to release the negative energy that you're feeling, but it's actually just transferring it to another person. It's just to sort of shift that conversation into more of a space of, well, what can you do you feel that you can do about it? You know, this is actually, you know, really affecting you. If there isn't an avenue to take this up the hierarchy, it's something that you can take through motivation you can do. So the trust partner model then made it more explicit that this is what we were doing. And we were interested actually in what kind of themes might emerge from those conversations. 
So we set up a little issues log, which enabled those people to take a, make a little record of what the issue was in as you know, anonymous a fashion as possible. And so that we can then look over time at whether there are any particular themes emerging. And I would say that the action of actually creating that sideline part of the strategy um, in itself just brought attention to the issue that we've got to sort of take some responsibility for this subjective experience and bring it into a more objective space and have it can't carry on like that you know it's not good for anybody to carry on like that and there are very few logged issues actually now at the moment they're intermittent there are certain things that happen that can't be brought to a whole team conversation mm -hmm. because they're too sensitive and so they'll go down this route so there's the occasional log but it provides another avenue of support and were there any particular themes that had emerged at the beginning there weren't. I wouldn't. I think that they were very uh, specific to the individual. Right. Yeah, we we thought that we'd find some themes, but we haven't mm -hmm. found any any themes. I wouldn't have said no. I think peer coaching is really really valuable in organisations, and I think I think a lot of organisations are missing a trick by not training up you know everybody to have these really important conversations with each other. I know when I do my shapes toolkit courses, one of the things I do is actually train the whole group to have just really basic coaching conversations with each other and then they go off and have a 10-15 yeah, minute conversation they come back and they go wow that was so helpful we're going to do this every week because you know people are are really good at supporting each other they just sometimes need some tools to do it yeah and it's those coaching skills that often it's not a natural way to talk to people actually but it's really helpful to have those skills of you know tell me more about that and where do you think you know to empower people to take action for themselves where do you think you have some control in this situation mm -hmm. and just training people to listen and then say oh what could you do about it rather than just giving advice as the first thing that they do mm -hmm. really powerful and I think if, if people can do that for each other then actually that takes a lot of the pressure off the managers having to support everybody all the time you know why don't we just support each other but you know, do it in a way that's actually going to be helpful and helpful within the organisation. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the managers and the organisation don't have all the answers, but shifting that mindset around I'm in this organisation and they look after me is really kind of what we as the NHS are trying to do is to shift that mindset around. The NHS is there for me. You know, I, I actually need to sort of take some ownership and control over my well-being because nobody else is going to resolve my, you know, obesity problem or whatever you know cre creating a work environment that enables change agency is mm. what horizons obviously does with its bread and butter mm. so you know this is walking the talk yeah well i think it's brilliant i think it's so so interesting would you have guessed that you'd have at the results before you started you guess this was what was going to happen or not no we had no idea how it was going to work i, I think we thought it would be much more of a project managed quite onerous task and I thought that that could get quite big and unwieldy but it's been a lot easier than that mm. and that's because it we've spent a lot less time on planning <laughs> a mm. project and that it's been much more about being it's been very emergent mm. and we've just kept abreast of you know some of the ideas that are coming from other organizations on social media we actually used the 30 is it the 30 minute 15 second campaign which is a, a campaign on social media around just do something that's going to take you 15 seconds but it's going to save somebody else 30 minutes 
Yeah, so that's been really, really imp high impact around the NHS in particular. So uh, it's just a great mindset for appreciating each other, isn't it? So it's another way to get into the overall building solidarity and kindness and appreciation at work. Mm. That was very effective for us. Okay, we'll get that link there and put that in the show notes if people are interested. That does sound really interesting. So what next for you, Rosanna? What are you doing next? Well, I have been sort of very influenced by a book I've been reading recently by Mary Portis, which is called Work Like a Woman. Ooh. And uh, she talks about bringing in natural energy, sensitivity and instinct into the workplace. And I'm really interested in ways in which we can you know, create a culture by just being different in the workplace. And, you know, I'm still learning, but I think that there's a lot of really good nuggets of to come out of that book. Uh, they talk in particular about the chief executive of Birmingham Children's Hospital, who's very active on Twitter and has a very different approach to leadership. So, so yeah, learning about those leadership behaviours that create space for change agency and uh, for that kind of natural energy flow that's really positive in workplaces mm, brilliant well we'll put that in the show net link and if you were to have one piece of advice about something people can do tomorrow to increase their well-being at work what would it be <laughs> well it, everybody's different i would say i mean that certainly social energy is a really important part of well-being for many people and so connecting with others and really finding ways to reduce isolation uh, even in a busy sort of work environment you can still feel alone and I think that for many people if you know yourself as someone who is benefits from social energy then to sort of build those connections with those around you and have a different conversation take the conversation away from what's this you know this, this particular issue and what's your subjective experience of it into well what can we do about it and how are others looking at yeah so take it more into a different kind of conversation just ask a coaching question of somebody in the workplace and make their day <laughs> okay brilliant ask a coaching question make someone's day find out about them that's great well thank you so much Rosanna it'd be really good to have you on if people want to contact you how can they contact you well, they can go to the Horizons website. So if you just Google Horizons NHS, then you'll see our website and there's a number of blogs. I've got some, a blog on there. I mostly blog about developing teams. So there's all our contact details on there. Brilliant. Okay, thank you so much. And love to have you back another time just to talk a little bit more about how we develop really strong teams. That would be great. Have a good day and thank you. Thank you very much, Rachel. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please do subscribe to the podcast and also please rate it on iTunes so that other people can find it too. Do follow me on Twitter at Dr. Rachel Morris and you can find out more about the face-to-face -face and online courses which I run on the youarenotafrog.co.uk website. Bye for now.